Thank you to Wildcare and Wildlife Acoustics for sponsoring the Bat Chat podcast. Can you hear that? We can. Wildlife Acoustics creates the world's leading bat acoustic monitoring tools, designed to help scientists make impactful discoveries for our biologically diverse planet, turning this into this. Visit wildlifeacoustics.com to learn more. Wildcare are committed to supporting the ecology industry and are specialists in supplying a large range of monitoring, conservation and habitat management products, as well as equipment hire and service and repair. With a large range of products coupled with friendly and expert help and advice, Wildcare is a favourite supplier for ecologists nationwide. Go to wildcare.co.uk to see the full range and quote BatChat at the checkout for 10% off all bat detectors and bat boxes. Welcome to Bat Chat, the podcast from the Bat Conservation Trust. This week we're finding out what life is like as an island bat group. Later on we've got some news hot off the press from the Isle of Man, but first, back in September at the National Bat Conference, I joined Annie Benet and Carol Williams to discuss the challenges of being part of a bat group where the sea is never far away. Annie Binet is a trustee of the Bat Conservation Trust and a professional ecologist consultant by day and quite often by night as well. And until recently, she was one of the 106,000 residents of the Isle of Jersey in the Channel Islands. So Annie, for the people listening at home who, like me, have never been to Jersey, can you just paint a picture of the islands and what it's like living there? Um, So it's nine miles by five miles, so it's pretty tiny. But the roads are incredibly windy, so it takes an incredibly long time to get anywhere, especially with the 40-mile-per-hour speed limit. (laughs) Um, It's kind of sloped in one direction, so the south coast is quite low, and then the north coast has kind of uh, got lots of cliffs and sea caves and lots of lovely beaches all around the island, really, and then a few little wooded valleys. So if you were to walk around the perimeter, how long would it take, roughly? Um, there's actually an island walk that happens every year, and it takes about 24 hours to go all the way around. I had no idea it was that big. Yeah, because they wiggle up and down around the coast. It's about 48 miles, I think. So how many of the Channel Islands have got back groups? Is it just Jersey, or are there others as well? Um, Alderney and Guernsey have both got them as well. So the three kind of biggest uh, islands have all got their own back groups. And how many people are involved across all of those islands? Um, it varies. So Guernsey's got about 10 people, I think, at the moment, but um, it fluctuates quite a lot. They did have about 30 people at one point, um, and then it went down again. And Alderney is basically just the Wildlife Trust, and then they have uh, kind of members of the public that go out on their bat walks and things. And you were the founding member of Jersey Bat Group, so when and why was it set up by yourself? I wasn't the founder member. <laughs> Go on then, correct me. <laughs> so no, the um, so the back group was started decades ago, but it, it um, kind of failed and was reset up in about two thousand and six. Um, I joined not long after that, after moving to the island, and then became chair in two thousand and eight, um, and have been kind of really heavily involved since then, and, and basically pushed um, and founded the research side of it. Um, because before that it was just kind of emergent surveys and reactive surveying rather than kind of uh, searching out new roosts and finding out what species there were and that kind of stuff. So So in those years since the islands had the back group created, what work has been undertaken and what discoveries have been made? 
Um, so there's, there's been quite a lot of work, but it was kind of slow for a few years. And then in about 2014, everything just snowballed massively and we had all the projects go on at the same time. So we did a big roost register project where I spent the entire summer um, going, kind of putting all of the data together and then going around and trying to verify whether these roosts still existed, what species were there, and just doing kind of lots of scoping surveys and emergence surveys. We also started... Um, a bat box scheme that year as well to see if we could get any bats to go into the boxes. We've had a few, not many. <laughs> we started a woodland project that was doing kind of acoustic monitoring. Um, I started a hibernation and swarming project because nobody had any idea what was happening in the winter. Um, and we just kind of started hammering it at that point. And then in 2016, um, I got licensed for advanced survey techniques and we started actually kind of going out and trapping and proactively trying to get a, more of a baseline as to what species we had and we discovered lots of new species by doing that. So what species have been recorded then? Um, so oh, this is why I have to lift them all off. So as the kind of uh, resident breeding species we've got uh, common soprano, nethusias and cool's pipistrels, uh, grey and brown long-eared, uh, natteras, alcathoe um, and Serotine as the actual breeding species. We then also have uh, Greater Horseshoe, Lesser Horseshoe, Jeffroys, um, I've lost count already, Dolbentons, <laughs> um, we've had a couple of records of as well, Whiskered, there's been a couple of records, uh, a few records of Cool's uh, Pip, uh, not Cool's Pip, Service Pip get it right. Um, and I think that's I think that's all of them. So just a few then? Yeah, just a few. I think it's 18 in total. And how many roosts have you found in that time, roughly? <laughs> um, I think when I stopped doing the roost register project, it was over 300. Um, but new roosts are being found all the time by the consultants and things in relation to developments and, and things. So there's pretty much every house and every tree on the island seems to have a bat in it at some point. And you've got quite a few migrant species there you mentioned, like Cools and Jeffroys. What do we know about those on the island so far? Um, so Cools, we know we have a breeding population. Um, there are, there's one um, maternity roost that's been known about for about 10 years now, and they go back to the same house every year. There's then a couple of other areas where we've caught juveniles, and we, there was one particular net that we put up that we ended up with, um, I think, 21 calls in it in one night, which was adult females and juveniles. So we'd obviously managed to hit a kind of uh, um, commuting route from the maternity roost, but we've not managed to actually pinpoint exactly where that roost is. We know which kind of urban centre it's in, but which building we don't really know at the moment. Um, Jeffroys we know very little about we have exactly three records uh, one is DNA from a barn um, that was getting developed in I think 2012 that was discovered I then caught one uh, in a harp trap in 2017 and then we found one uh, hibernating in an underground tunnel in the winter of kind of 2017-2018 as well and they're all of our records and how has the bat group been received by the other non-bat people on the island, the other residents? Um, I think generally they just think we're a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> we've had the police called a few times for lurking in graveyards, you know, all the usual yeah. things that bat workers uh, get accused of. Um, <laughs> 
but mostly they've been quite receptive and when we're out kind of trapping and things there's usually kind of random dog walkers that will come and have a look and we'll show them bats and get people enthused about how cute and furry they are and the fact that they're not ugly and terrifying at all. And what are the challenges of being an island bat group compared to more mainland groups? Um, Lack of uh, experience and resources are the main things because you basically have to go off-island to get a a lot of the training and a lot of the experience. And um, So when I was training, I spent a lot of time kind of leaving the island to go and do bat stuff and then going back to try and go, look, I could do this now. Can Can we start? Oh, we haven't got any kit. Oh, okay. Can we find some money? Um, there's a very kind of limited pool of um, financial options despite it being a kind of financial centre in the island. So, yeah, it's, um, it's challenging. And recently you've left the island, island behind and moved to the mainland. What do you miss most about the Isle of Jersey? Um, so I miss being able to kind of find out new things and um, miss discovering stuff about the island all the time. So I was resident there for kind of 12 years and... Um, it was only in, in the kind of latter half of that that we suddenly started finding all this stuff out about bats and there's so much still to find out that I kind of miss being the one able to kind of push it forwards and find it out but it's uh, there's lots of things I don't miss, like how small it was. <laughs> and presumably the group's still active. Do you know what future studies the group's got planned? Um, yeah, they are still active. There's... Um, there's an, a new island conservation MSc that's starting this year in collaboration with the University of Exeter. And there's some um, bat projects uh, that are getting funded through that. So there's one in particular um, that is focusing on urban bats um, because very little is known about the bats in the urban centres in the island. We know that Cools Pipstrel are there. They're an urban specialist. Uh, and we know kind of two of the urban centres that they're in, but we don't know much else about the urban bats. So I know they're doing that um, and they're carrying on with kind of the, the woodland project and finding out what bats are in the woodlands um, as well. And um, Henry is has been doing his audio moth based project again this year to um, start the Jersey Bat Survey where basically volunteers will get uh, an audio moth to put out then they collect it back in again and the data gets all kind of put together to see what bats are where in the island when and how it varies through the year. And if you had to choose three words to describe the bat conservation movement what would they be? Um, Exhausting. (laughs) Incredibly rewarding. I realise that's more than one word. Um, And fascinating. Annie Binet, thank you very much. So I've just grabbed Carol Williams from the Bat Conservation Trust, who is Director of Conservation, and she is also the Secretary of the Isles of Scilly Bat Group. So Carol, presumably the group is doing lots of stuff over there. Can you just paint a picture for the people who have never been to the Isles of Scilly, what it's like to live over there? Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, There are five inhabited islands and a whole array of uninhabited ones. The population over there naturally is relatively small and mostly centred on one of the islands. And the natural history over there is quite stunning. 
But of course, you have to take into consideration that they are islands and they are isolated. It's a fair old hop over to the mainland. You're talking about uh, 20 miles or so. And so there is something there about bats that we have yet to fully understand. So when you're a bat worker over there, you're not going to get the full range of species. And the species that are there predominantly come on pipistrelle. You have to think, well, have they always been here? Are they finding all that they need on these islands? Or is there more exchange with the mainland? And then we do get other species to know. Not surprisingly, perhaps not true. Not surprisingly, perhaps Nathusius pipistrelle. And by the way, that was so exciting. We did the Nathusius pipistrelle survey over there this summer. And we thought we've only got two nights. How likely are we when the records are so few to catch one? And we did. And I can tell you it was huge excitement from all the wonderful members of the back group and Cornwall back group who came over there to facilitate that. But then we do have some mysteries because we also have not a lot of records of them, but we do have brown long-eared bat or a long-eared bat, I guess I should probably say. So it's, it's all about you have a small resource over there. Years back, the bats almost died out. Was this when there was a lot more use of pesticides? Uh, Probably. Has that been rectified to a degree? Yes. Are there more animals grazing back on the islands? That almost dwindled to zero. Now, local produce is massively valued, so you have more cattle over there. So there are a range of things that are... I mean, they're very vulnerable. If something changes, they don't have an easy other option over there. Uh, One thing they do have, and we're really interested in on the islands, and it's shared with other islands and coastal areas, is the strand line. Mm. You see the birds feeding there in the day. We know they use it to an extent, but just how important is the strand line for bats in these islands in particular, but also in coastal areas? So there's not that many people over there. Uh, It's not easy for us to get people to come and help over there because they always have to pay a a wadge of money to get across on the ferry or to fly over. So I think we achieve amazing things over there. There's long-term monitoring of roosts and of transects. uh, And we learn bit by bit, and we have had researchers come over there and bolster what we know with some concentrated work and radio tracking. But somehow there's more island mysteries then perhaps on the mainland, lots to find out. And just to pick up on the point where you said if something happens to those populations, they're in more trouble than they would be here on the mainland. Presumably that's because they're an island population. It's hard to repopulate from outside of that population. Are the islands subject to the same laws that we have here on the mainland or do they have slightly different laws? No, they have... Here on the Isles of Scilly, they're exactly the same laws. Um, unlike, obviously, if you're talking about Jersey or Guernsey, where that will, in fact, vary. So they are the same laws, but it's, it's also... Um, how can I put it? It's a remote community. And things that change... And there are changes in policy and the processes and how it's applied. It's not quite so easy to to do the catch-up over there. And I would say that uh, perhaps in line with the mainland, but maybe a bit worse, if you went back when we were first looking at these matters over there, say 25 years ago, that the profile for bats, the recognition of the importance of the processes, was not as great. Uh, Now things have moved on a pace and that would be another factor that would have helped 
Uh, as the tourism has always been important over there, but as a lot of the older buildings were um, actually restored to be used for, for tourism purposes, was it at a time when the processes were as clearly in place? Maybe not. That might have been another factor in the losses that we had. We'll, we'll never know that. But now... There's a lot of awareness, there's a lot of interest, and through the, as well as the back group, you've got the Alza Silly Wildlife Trust and you have the council there, and they're all talking and they're all working together. So what we've seen is from the lowest point where it was predicted that they, they would actually die out over there, that they are slowly but surely picking up. So I think all aspects are now considered more but it's still always vulnerable it wouldn't it always feels like it just wouldn't take a lot to tip the balance and to see them under threat again i was going to say the the islands are world famous for their bird life how how has the bat group formation been received by the other islanders Actually, it's, it's really positive, and the lovely thing is, in our back group, as I say, sometimes members of the back group say, oh, we haven't got as many members as other counties and other back groups, and then I say, hang on, think about the percentage of your population, and it's absolutely fantastic. We do have people who are members who come there on holiday too because they're so interested, but from the islanders we have a good representation, and it includes the fabulously and uh, experienced and long-standing bird groups. So, you know, there is, there is this recognition that the islands are really special. There's a recognition that actually some of the methods of knowing what's happening with birds and with bats has a common line in it too. And that's why it was fabulous when we did the Nathusius survey to have the birders there with us. And, and it's really got that level of enthusiasm going. And there is the possibility uh, that things could turn up there in the, in the same way too. So I don't suppose we'll ever have the profile that like the twitchers coming over there in mass droves. We're not going to get that for bats. But there is a realisation that it's a, it's a scattering of islands in the middle of the ocean it's all a bit special, it's all a bit lovely, and it does have some, some aspects that threaten mainland populations that don't occur there in the same ways, perhaps. But I always remember years ago there was um, a programme on there that's, that was looking at the islands and its nature and the, th- and the pressures on it, and it was identifying that actually it was like looking at a small scale of what affects the mainland, but you could see it more easily. So it's, it's sort of that litmus paper you can just see how how are things what can we do what are the threats what can we do and how effective is that you can you can do it there but if you get it wrong then they're gone and to repopulate would not be as easy as moving in from a neighboring colony how long ago was the back group set up how many years ago now i've got to think about that (laughs) now you caught me out um i think it was probably it was probably about 2008. I'll have to check on that one. It, it came out as a, there wasn't a back group. Cornwall back group went over there because we'd heard reports um, from Rosemary Parsley about it, the bats might die out, so we went over there, found they were still there, went back and started to talk to the islanders, and one couple in particular just got the bug and said, right, we're going to set up a back group, and they are still very actively involved in that and and that's Mike and Anne Gurr and so it all started back then uh, but it's a, it's a struggle, I'm actually secretary there now, although I don't live on the islands but I do know them very well, just because it's always difficult to get committee members when you've got a whole county's worth of people 
when you've got a small scattering of people, it's, it's difficult to, to keep that momentum. But the enthusiasm is great, and in fact the committee is now strong, and we're, we're looking to a future where we'll find out more and have more collaborations, more investigations, and be able to keep monitoring those populations and hopefully see them continue on the trajectory they appear to have been on for the last few years, which is actually gaining ground back something close to what we used to have anecdotally where people who'd lived there all their lives would say oh all these buildings used to be full of it and they'd come out at night and you know that had died almost away and we're just hoping to start heading back towards that and so you've said that one of the difficulties of being an island back group is trying to find those people around because of the smaller number of people there Annie Binet uh, has said for Jersey it was a case of trying to get the skill set up what sort of other challenges are there for life as an island back group? That is quite a large part of it. So the, the difficulty we have particularly there is we want representation from all five of the inhabited islands. Uh, actually, we want to learn about the uninhabited ones too, of course. But that brings its own problems. So say you just want to have a back group meeting and, and normally people say, well, I'll finish work and I'll drive over to me. You have to think, what's the tide like? Are the boats running at that time? Can I get back? And anyway, you know, if it's in the active season, most people, one way or another, are involved in the tourist industry. And so this is an incredibly busy time of year. They go quiet and say, well, what should we do for the bat group? Well, it's actually quite quiet for bats now, too, because you're, you're into October, November time. So it's actually just being able to get those people together in one place has a constraint and a, and a, a time limitation on it. Uh, so it's, again, that's not unfamiliar on mainland back groups, but it just is a bit plus-plus when you're talking about tides and, and boat times. And if you want to do something late, if you do something late anywhere else, you can say, right, and then I'll get in my car, you know, I might snooze for it, then I'll drive home. But you say, there are no boats running. How do you get back to your home if you've been out? And we had this with the trapping that we did. It was fantastic. All the people on St Mary's, the biggest island, could join us. But how about the people who had to go back to Briar or Tresco, St Martin, St Agnes? There were no boats running. They'd have had to hire a boat specifically to take them back or find somewhere to stay and not get home till the next day. So there are those sort of logistical issues, uh, as well as the fact that bat work over on the islands hasn't been carried out uh, by a lot of people for a long time. And so skill sets it's always going to be an issue. It's a small population. You can get people trained up. We have people from the Wildlife Trust taking over what uh, Mike and Angur used to do to, to provide assistance. Uh, but it's how often is it used? So you have a lot of skills and you're not going to use them very often. It's difficult to sustain that. So it tends to be reliant on some sort of level of input from outside the islands and all the issues about the cost and the time taken to do that. What about the future of survey work on the island? What's the back group got planned for the future? Oh, there's, what we actually did at the last meeting, we got terribly excited because we started to find out more. So we've actually looked at the things that are our questions that we still want to answer. So we want to know more about Methusias. We want to understand um, the relationship between the Pipistrels, between the islands where we've got 
large roost on Tresco. We've got large-ish, not quite as large, but on St Mary's. How do they interact? How can we have got soprano pipistrels on one island and not on the others? How on earth are they sustaining themselves? In there? There, there, are, there are more questions and answers. The more we learn, the more we want to find out. Brown Longyard, what's happening there? We've had a few records... We, we absolutely know they're there and it was confirmed as brown long we did actually trap one so what's actually happening there uh, so there's so much to learn but the answers to those some of them are just time and we'll get there some of them require a bit more specialist input and we actually have to plan that but we have a we are very likely to have the same fabulous enthusiastic crew get together next summer to pick on a pick up on the harp trapping that we did this last summer for an enthusiast paper trap. And to start to think, how do we address these other questions? So loads to do. I think we're going to grow and grow and um, find out more. And that will also, the benefit, the close ties between the community will install the answers and the protections along the way. And if you had to choose just three words to describe the bat conservation movement in the UK, what would they be? In the UK? Passionate, strong, isolated. Yeah. Carol Williams, thank you very much. And the Manx Bat Group is very excited to announce that it has recently recorded the presence of lesser horseshoe bats on the island. This species is not one of those previously known to be resident, and so this discovery brings the total number of bat species recorded for the Isle of Man to nine. The identity of this species was confirmed by DNA analysis of bat droppings retrieved from the cellar of a house located in the south of the island. There were no bats present at the time, so it's not currently known how many bats roost at the site. The group will be carrying out further fieldwork in the coming season and beyond to find out more. They need volunteers to join their monitoring activities this summer, so if you would like to be part of this exciting activity and to know more, whether it's walking routes at night to record bats as part of bat search, counting bats as they leave their roosts, or perhaps working with bat boxes, then they would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with them via Facebook or their website. Links to both are in the show notes below. Thanks for listening to this episode. Why not join the conversation online using the hashtag BatChat? Next time, we're speaking with Jim Mulholland on the subject of bats and trees, so consider hitting that subscribe button, or for all you Spotify listeners out there, the follow button, to make sure that the episode arrives automatically when it's released in two weeks' time. Now lots of you have seen me in branded t-shirts and hoodies with the Batchat logo on and you've all been asking me when they'll be available. Well, we're thrilled to let you know that a whole range of Batchat clothing and tote bags is now available for you on our T-Mail store. The link's in the show notes. Whether you're a long-time supporter or a new member of the Batchat family, we can't wait for you to share your photos of you wearing our merch on social media. Be sure to tag the Bat Conservation Trust in your posts. If you're listening to BatChat on Google Podcasts, we wanted to let you know that Google have announced they plan to discontinue their app later this year, so we recommend making the switch to an alternative podcast app, and we've put some links in the show notes to alternative apps that you can follow BatChat on so that you don't miss any future episodes.